Hello and welcome to the Mickey Mike Show. I'm your host, Mickey DiStefano, joined by my co-host, Brandon Cameron. Some big news in the NHL as of late. We're going to talk about a couple of things. There's been some coaching firings that we're going to have to get to. Uh, we're also going to chat about uh, some international hockey updates uh, at the Board of Governors meetings. Gary Bettman shed some light on what's going to be happening there. Uh, we're also going to have a fun little game where we're going to kind of discuss some dark horse award candidates, which I'm looking forward to. And then, oh, as yeah. always, we're going to play some fantasy stock up, stock down, and some cosign, no sign. You ready to go? Yeah, let's mix it up, man. Let's get her going. Uh, so, a couple coaching firings this week. Uh, one came as a bit of a shock. The other uh, kind of you could see coming based on how the, they were yeah. going. Uh, but on Tuesday, Dallas fired Jim Montgomery for, quote, non-hockey reasons. Um, kind of an odd situation considering that it's a team that kind of struggled out of the gate. But they're playing really well right now. And they've played well over the last little bit. So it's kind of... It was weird, and then the fact that it still hasn't leaked out as to what the exact reason yeah. was, why they've been fired, um, yeah, kind it, of an odd situation. It, it is really strange. Um, I personally, I'm a little relieved that it's not any of it's not abuse related. It's not hockey related. There's not anything going on. Um, it's it's weird that they haven't released anything. Like I I, I feel like. It just kind of makes you wonder, you know what I mean? Like, what what did he do? Yeah, I mean, the fact that at first that the, my thought of oh man, like let's go check the paper, see if there's anything going on in, in Dallas, like call up Dallas PD and say hey, is there any you know? No, they also said it wasn't. Well, I know. Legal I'm, I'm saying, but, but that was my first my first thought when I first heard yeah. that he was fired for a non hockey issue. I was like, oh, maybe it's like a DUI or he's being accused or charged of something, and it turns out he's not, which just even boggles my mind even more. Like, what could it possibly be that you're firing your coach that has your team gelling and playing so well? Like, they're in a playoff spot right now. And considering, I think a couple weeks ago we were chatting, how much they turned their season around. They started out, what, like 1-7-1 their first nine games? And now they're in a playoff spot. So it's it's it was just kind of mind-boggling to to see that that happened. Um, Rick Bonus ends up taking over the bench in the interim. He's kind of a guy who's been around the NHL for years. Uh, he's been behind the bench for years, and uh, but m- more so as an assistant. Like the last time he held a coaching job was back with uh, Phoenix, I believe, like early Phoenix days back in like 0304. So they were. They were kind of a, a rough team <laughs> at that point, uh, but so those are kind of that was kind of the last time that I think he's been the head well, coach. He's kind of one of those bench. Peter Horacek types. <laughs> right. Well, no, yeah, he's he kind of just stuck in a bad situation, but he's somebody who has been an assistant, you know, for years and years and years. And uh, there's a really good piece in the Athletic actually about Rick Bonus, the guy who quietly wanted to coach yet, yeah, and he wanted to be a head coach, but never publicly said it. Uh, but he had interviewed for a couple of jobs, and uh, now he's kind of gifted this one. Uh, but uh, even he said it, it came as a shock. Even the yeah. teams, like nobody yeah, the, saw it coming. Nobody woke knows up that what day. happened except for Jim Nill, man. Yeah. It's insane. Like, they woke up that day, and uh, I'm sure the team, they know what they happened. They probably know what happened, but, but nobody's saying anything. But it's not that. It's not that. It's just they're surprised that it happened. Like, they're still surprised. And uh, the fact that, you know, he woke up one day and was all of a sudden – Went for being the assistant to the head coach again. 
I mean, good for him. He he, he sounds like a genuine dude. Did you listen to a press conference? I didn't. I didn't get a chance to. Know. He he, act, he sounds like a really good guy. He sounds like a nice person that I would love to play for. Twenty twenty is the year NHL coaches are actually good guys well, again. Well, even like uh, Jamie McLennan was talking about it. He was saying that you know he had Rick Bonus. I think when he was in uh, the Islanders, I think he said, uh, and he was a really nice guy. He said he loved playing for Bonus and. Players love playing for him, so you know the fact that he's getting a shot here in the interim basis. I don't know if he's going to be the guy because again, he's been like a career assistant. Yeah. Um, but he's going to get a chance, and, and we'll see what happens. You know, last year Craig Berube he got a chance. And yeah. What happened? It Won worked. So, <laughs> it worked really well. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, but then we had another firing come down yesterday. Peter DeBoer canned in San Jose. This one. A little more understanding. Yeah. Uh, they, San Jose hasn't been very good. Remember last last time we recorded this pod and I just destroyed the Sharks? I'm going to double down on that and yeah. pile on them a little more. They're not a great hockey team. No, they're they're, <laughs> they're underperforming greatly, which is obviously the reason why DeBoer got the game. I think they're performing quite adequately. It's I think they're performing to their to their best capabilities. Yeah, I didn't think they were this bad, which is, which is I think, like... I thought that they, I thought they just, they obviously misjudged their window, hundred um, percent. And I guess I also misjudged the window because I just, I, I thought they were still a playoff team. It just, they're, they're not, they're not. They're but, not. but you look at the team, and they still look really skilled. Like if they just got a goaltender or Martin Jones made a couple of saves, I think that they would be all right. Like, how can a team with Hurdle, Couture, Burns, Carlson? Uh, Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc, Vlasic, Eric Carlson. Like I've I've named like eight or nine solid solid players. Yeah, I don't know. And it's, they just can't win hockey games. It's weird because like when Eric Carlson was was in Ottawa, he was he was the only person that needed to be the guy. Like they didn't really need any any superstars. But I think that's something San Jose is also missing up front. Like, they have a lot of really good players. Like, Couture, he's a really, really good player. Hurdle, really good player. They don't have anyone that's the guy up front, though, for me. They don't have, like, a front-line face of their franchise. And Eric Carlson isn't that anymore. Yeah, but I don't think they need that because they have so many players that are just so good. Like, I don't think they have to have one guy who's, like, a... A Connor McDavid level player. I didn't say Connor McDavid. Like well, you, I mean, like, just a, like you need a you need a you need a star. It's a it's a league of stars. I think man. Logan Couture is a star. I think, I think he's a I really think, good player. I don't think he's a star. I think I think Brent Burns. He's a star. Eric Carlson. He's a star. Like I know Thornton and Marlowe, They're obviously not what they used to be. Um, nowhere near it. But you know Thomas Hurdle. He is a really really good player. Timo Meyer, a really really good young player. Um, Kevin LeBanc even as well, uh, but just for some reason, uh, this year's just, it's just not happening. They can't keep the puck out of their own net, and I think Martin Jones is the biggest downfall. You know, they, they always say if you find a goalie can really get a coach fired, and, and I think true. that's what happened here in San Jose is that they just couldn't recover after a really, really terrible goaltending and a bad start from martin jones and he hasn't been able to get it going even when they went on that like six game winning streak a little bit like a month ago he was still letting a lot of goals yeah he was still operating at a sub 900 save percentage yeah like they were winning sure but 
It was still terrible. I think that's what I said last time. I think that's the point yeah. I made. Where yeah. like you were like, oh, they're they're on the rise, they're coming back. And I but was I like, never defended Martin Jones. You never defended Martin Jones, but I was like, that's not sustainable with the way Martin Jones is still playing. Like I'm sure like sure he's getting some wins, but he's not playing well enough to be a contender. So the team, uh, they they fire him. They're currently 15-16-2 in the middle of a five-game losing skid. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna try and and stop that. Ended up taking over the bench was uh, Bob Buchner. So he's gonna get a shot here in the NHL. He's gonna get a chance to uh, to coach this San Jose team. But the question is, you know, where do they go from here? What do they do now? Is this a team that they're going to try and coach up and try and make a run for the playoffs? Or is this a team that maybe you try and dismantle and kind of start your rebuild? Like, what do they do? That's a good question. I, I don't really know what they're playing. <laughs> they keep in their, mind. Their plan isn't, like, super evident. Keep in mind that Ottawa holds their first-round pick. Oh, Unprotected yeah. <laughs> first-round pick. I forgot about that. So they're kind of stuck in the same situation that the Senators were in a couple of years ago with the whole Matt Duchesne thing. Yeah. Where they're sitting there, it's like, man, we suck. We're not going to make the playoffs. We got to kind of harvest our assets. But at the same time, we don't have our actual first round pick. Yeah. I don't think they have a lot of expiring contracts, though, do they? I, I, I'd imagine they don't. Well, let's like, take a look. I know they just, they just re signed Couture. Hurdle's locked up. They re signed Carlson for eight years. Burns is probably three or four years out, but like they have a lot of contracts that kind of aren't really like they might be movable, but they're not eight. They're not age they're not, appropriate. They're, they're not they're easy old. to move. They have old like their 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 roster is old. Like Couture, he's thirty. He's locked up for what, eight. Yeah, I think more he just resigned, years? right? Yeah, yeah, eight more years. Like Evander Kane, he, this is a movable contract. I think Evander Kane at twenty eight, he's got six years left at seven million. That's something that I think would be movable. Timo Meyer, four years. Uh, that contract is movable, but I probably wouldn't want to move him. Yeah, uh, he's somebody who I think you could build around. Um, Thomas Hurdle's got three more years left at five point six two five. That's a movable contract. But do you want to move on from Thomas Hurdle? If you're rebuilding, yes. If you're contending, no. You know, so you kind of get stuck in this little purgatory where you just look at your, your team and you're like, okay, we have a few really good players. But they're kind of at that age where they're only going to be good enough for this next three-year window. So yeah. if we fail in the next three years, what are we going to be doing with these players in three years when Hurdle's a UFA? Like, are, Should we move him now and try and get maximum value? Or do we keep him and try and make another run? Like, what? They're... I think... The way I see it is if I'm San Jose, I'm going to try and dig myself out of this hole. They're not that far out. Like, like Carlson, the, eight years, 11 and a half. Burns, six more years at $8 million. Just Mark Edward Vlasic, seven more years at $7 million. For the simple reason alone that they don't have their own first round pick this year, I think they kind of just owe it to themselves to try. I don't think it'll work, but they kind of have to try. You can't just like... You can't pull the Ottawa Senators shoot and become the worst place team in the league in a year where you don't have where where you're the most likely team to get the first overall pick. Well, like they're that. not the most. Likely. No, but like no, I, I that's not, not what I'm saying. But like you're not gonna they're not gonna actively try to be the team that has the most the best shot at Lafreniere, right? Well, I don't think they're gonna actively try and tank. But what I think they if they wanted to do is you know you look at all these assets they're depreciating. So if you do believe that in the next couple of years 
you need to kind of get into a rebuild, you got to do it now. Like, you can't wait two more years when guys like Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic are going to be worthless, right? Like, you look at Brent Seabrook. They should have traded him years ago. a year before that contract was up, before they had to give him an extension. Yeah. Right? And that's what I think is going to end up happening here with Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic. Right now, I'm sure there's tons of teams that would line up and take take Brent Burns off your hands. I know he's got six more years left on his contract, he but like he's still he's 34. Oh. But like he's still playing at an elite level, right? Like Brent Burns this year, what does he have here? Uh, 21 points in 33 games. Like that's not as high as as you see out of Brent Burns. But I mean, he's still effective. He's playing 24 and a half minutes a night. You know, he's still scoring on the power play. Uh, he's still getting points at five on five as well. So, I think if I am, if I'm call, if I'm San Jose, you really have to look in the mirror and think to yourself: Are we a playoff team? And can we be a playoff team with this club? And if that's the case, then you keep going. But if you honestly don't think you can make it this year or next year, I think you got to blow it up. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I just don't think this is the year to to do it. I think they should, if I was San Jose, I'd probably try and pick up one of the goalies that are UFA after this year, like at the deadline, like maybe before the deadline, like a Markstrom or a Holtby. I don't know if they have the assets to make a Holtby happen. That may be a bit of a stretch, but I think they could probably swing something with the Canucks to pick up Jacob Markstrom, which is kind of something they should try at the very least, where they can have a different guy in net who can actually possibly mask some of their of their def, of their deficiencies. Yeah. Where Markstrom actually is a pretty good goalie. He's having a good year in, in Vancouver, right? Like he's having a really good year. So like I, I that's something I would consider trying. If you have to if you feel that Martin Jones can't get the job done for you, which I uh, I feel like Martin Jones can't get the job he's got done for five you. <laughs> more years left on his contract too. I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's good enough. And it's a little disappointing. I always thought Martin Jones was gonna be a good was gonna be a really good starter. Like even when he like when he got first called up to in L A. Like for that one year where he, he replaced Quick for a couple of games. Like he, he was I thought he was season, gonna be really good. It was first season in San Jose. That was the year that they went to the Cup Finals. Wasn't yeah, it? I think so. Like so he he. he I think he tricked them enough to get a long-term deal, like a good contract. Like a, do you want to know what? Do you want to know what that like reminds me of? Six years, thirty-three million dollar contract or something like that. Like he he played his way. He played for it. He got it, but he is not earning it right do, now. Do you know what he reminds me of? And it's and it involves the same team too. It's the Anti Niemi effect. Oh God. <laughs> It's basically yeah. just anti-Niemi 2.0. But at least Niemi didn't get a long-term deal. I think he only got signed for a no, couple of years, got, wasn't it? I think it was a long-term deal out of, like, he was a free agent right after he won the Cup with Chicago as a yeah. rookie, and then he signed with San Jose, right? I don't know if they're, if, if that's the case, then they, no, because he'd still be on buyout then if that were the case. I don't think he was bought out, but, like, I think he was got, like, a five- or six-year deal. Maybe. Um, I mean, it's possible. It's possible that that could have happened. Which I, I, again, that's that's man. Maybe the GM might even be next. Like offering out these contracts to all these players, and now you sit yeah. there and it's like our hands are kind of tied. Like we have so many players over thirty with long term deals who are not performing up to our standards, and it's <laughs> We're not probably good only going to get worse. We're not good enough with these 
aging players yeah. that are already overpaid and already way too long of contracts, yeah. and they're already not good enough to win. But we'll see if Bob Bugner can turn this team around. I do. I, for the record, we'll I see. do like the move of Bob Bugner. I thought he was a really good coach down in Florida last year. Um, it just kind of sucks that. I think he was the only let go so they could bring in Quenville. Oh, 100 percent. Like I, I don't think he, 100%. I don't think he earned his firing at all. I thought Florida, I thought he coached them pretty well. They had a really good power play. I mean, that was probably more Parn McFarland in in Toronto now, but like I don't know. He had they were a good team. Like they had they had a, they went on a really good run down the stretch too. They almost they didn't they just missed the playoffs. Like I I think Bugner is a good option for San Jose. Like, it's a very different well, they, style coach. They gassed the entire staff except for Bugner. So yeah. he's going to get a shot to see if he can do anything with this group. Didn't they bring in Nabokov as an assistant? Evgeny Nabokov? Yeah. Uh, think, maybe it brought, they brought him as a goalie coach, maybe? No, I think he's an assistant coach. Oh. I, I think I think they brought him as an assistant coach. Like yesterday? Yeah. Oh, maybe. I didn't hear that. I think. I think it's Nabokov. Interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd for sure about that. Interesting. All right, Friedman's well, tweets. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing, but you know, it's it's going to be a team that I'm going to have to watch, and a lot of Ottawa fans are going to have their eyes peeled to, to kind of see how they end up doing. Could you imagine Ottawa got their first overall pick? Oh my god! From San Jose, like after it's funny because Ottawa was in the situation literally like last, last year. year, two years ago, last year. No, I guess two years ago they had to make the decision. And last year but was the one last year they didn't have the pick, and now they're in a situation here with San Jose, and it's like, Yikes. it's like okay, damn, it's a better, it's a better, <laughs> it's a better it's draft. A, it's a much better position, much better draft too. to be in. Yeah, exactly, much better draft. All right, uh, who's next though? Like that's that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. There's a couple of teams out there. I mean, Peter DeBoer, he was a, he was a good coach. You know, and I think that there might be some teams out there that might be willing to bring him in. Um, yeah, I. So who who who's next? To me, I think there's two big candidates that, not maybe not that could replace DeBoer, but there's two candidates that are really disappointing, um, at, where teams could really use a shakeup. I think Jeff Blashill in Detroit. Yeah, that team is just god awful. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's not necessarily it's, on him, but. No, but he hasn't done his he hasn't done his fair share of uh, trying to make things work. Yeah, and I think they just need a bit of a shake up, like the losing culture in there. It seems like after you lose, what are they on twelve straight now? Yeah, what's he been? He's been the coach in Detroit for five years. He's been there now, for a few years. For like yeah, five like years. He made the playoffs once. Like, I think they wanted. Uh, I read that they wanted to let him go a couple of years ago and i think they were pursuing another coach i don't remember who it was and then he just he decided to go to a different team which obviously because you look sucks. at detroit's roster <laughs> and it's like yeah i'd rather not um so they ended up keeping him but man like if you're a player on that team you gotta hate playing there right now and being yeah. in this losing skid, like Dude, it lost sucks 12 in a row and i know anthony mantha's injured which you know he's their best scorer so that you know it's tough. Plus, it's gonna, not going to help you in winning. But well, Jimmy Howard's been hurt as well, and and they've been rolling with like Eric Comrie and Jonathan Bernier for uh, for the game. So yeah, we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, I think John Cooper might be on the hot one. seat That's there. That's an interesting one for sure. Well, I, they're just this is a team that is super underachieving, and, and you you, th- you look yeah. at a lot of coaches that get fired. A lot of it is just because of underachieving, and they think, man, we got to shake something up before this season literally goes in the gutter. 
And I think maybe Tampa's almost at that point where they're like, man, what's going on here? We can't find any type of consistency. We're now 30 games in and we're still not in a playoff spot. Maybe the message is stale. Maybe we just need a new play style. We need a new voice in the locker room. And that's typically what ends up happening. And I think John Cooper, although he coached a team to the best, the most winningest season, literally a year ago, he could find himself out of a job just six months later. There's Honestly, the way I... It, it kind of reminds me of a Raptor scenario. Where they, they, they went on that run. They, kind of, yeah. They, they just got beat by a wall. I mean, Columbus necessarily wasn't a wall they couldn't jump over. They could have very easily beaten Columbus. They just... They collapsed. They, they let Columbus beat them. They let Columbus sweep them in the playoffs. Which is something that if I was I was management, I was in a position of power there, that wouldn't sit well with me. I wouldn't be like, oh, we're the best team, the best regular season team in the last 25 years, but uh, we, got slept, we got swept by the Blue Jackets in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. Like, that's going to leave a, a bitter taste in your mouth. And maybe that, that, that has something to do with Tampa's confidence here, too, a little bit. Maybe that, maybe that specific loss just is, like rooted has something deeper rooted into their into their mindset but again that that falls down to coaching right like that goes like that's the coach's job to to make it not do that right right like that's his that's that's his job um another guy i could see on the on the chopping block in the near future brucey boudreaux i i mean i I think eventually he he's he's long term out of minnesota Yeah, for sure. I don't think he's going to be there for for quite longer. I know Bill Guerin came out and said that they'll probably give the year to kind of assess things, and that could be the reason why Blashill hasn't been fired yet either in Detroit. You know, Stevie Y coming in, he's going to want to take a year to just assess what's going on and then make a decision. And maybe even with Stevie Y, maybe he's maybe he's waiting on Tampa to do something and bring in his own coach. I, yeah, like I don't that's know. That's, that's a that's a very common thing in the NHL, right? Yeah, he could be waiting out because you know he's the one who hired John Cooper yeah. in Tampa. He's the one that gave he, him that shot. Yeah, he could be waiting out Tampa, see if they let go of Cooper at some point uh, through this season, and if that's the case, that's when they drop it and they bring yeah. in Cooper. Because there's for there's Detroit. not a, there's not a lot of really really good options out there right now, right? No, and, and we've discussed this before, or at least I've discussed this: the fact that. You know, you look at benches around the league, and a lot of them are very experienced. You have a lot of ex-head coaches accepting uh, associate or assistant jobs, which is something we didn't see a lot in the past. They kind of waited to see if they can get a head coaching gig, and now they're taking the assistant jobs. So when you let go of a coach, you're you're basically promoting your assistant. You, you just yeah, you, you like, promote your assistant because there's really nobody of, there. What it screams like to me, it's they're it's like they're looking for another head coach that they like, and they bring him on as assistant and give them a below the table like handshake, where like if something happens, we're moving on from this guy. You're our guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of it kind of seems like that to me. Because if I was a if I was an if I was a head coach like a, a pretty established head coach like uh, let's say uh, I don't know let's just use Craig Brewer as an example. If I'm Craig Brewer, I went on the assistant in, in St. Louis. <laughs> He's been a year. <laughs> I know. I don't have anyone on the top of my head. I'm Craig Brubre. When I'm John signing, Tortorella. John, yeah, let's just say John Tortorella. That's a good idea. Three years, 15 years ago as an assistant or something. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Go. Um, if I'm them, I'm like, when I'm getting interviewed for this assistant coaching job, I'm like, is there any potential of me becoming a head coach? Because I have, I am a head coach. And they're like, yeah, you know what? Like, we're thinking about making a move at some point. Let's move on. Let's we'll move to you. Bring in, get to know the players. Get in there. Get to know what they do. 
Kind of makes sense. Kind of greasy. It's a. It is kind of greasy. I got it. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> it, it kind of is. And if you want to use a, an example for right now, I think it would be like Bob Bugner. Yeah, Bugner. Right. Cool. A guy who <laughs> was a head coach as little as a year ago, and comes into a situation, and it's like you know things go south. You're a guy who we can look at into you know turning into an interim head coach, and you could slide up into that position if you know you're playing your cards right while you're yeah. here. And that's what happened. I think Michelle Terrian. Out in Philly under Lane Vigneault, he could be that guy. You know, in Toronto, I think if it wasn't for Sheldon Keefe, I think Dave Haxtell would have be would yeah. be would have been that guy. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of coach a lot of um, NHL benches now that have a lot of former NHL head coaches uh, as assistants, and I think that that's done purposely so that yeah. they have a backup if things go south. And we're seeing yeah. that happen, where instead of going out and hiring new coaches, we're just seeing interim head coaches slide up from the assistant you know look at jeff ward yeah in calgary bill peters he got the axe totally different reasons but he got the axe although i think he was kind of he was, he was cruising, days away he was, he was cruising for a for a firing regardless of yeah of all the but stuff that came out but you know jeff ward he's a guy who actually hadn't been a head coach at all in his nhl career five and oh now six and oh six and oh since six and oh since taking over the bench and they've really turned it around um, which is kind of insane and mind-blowing. Uh, but, you know, even look, uh, Claude Julian, another team that was close to, to getting rid of their coach, they've turned it around now. They've won three straight, and it seems like he saved his job for now. Um, so it's it's an interesting coaching carousel that we got going on in, in the NHL right now, and it's kind of just, it's a weird year, I think. It's been a weird Super year. Super weird year. It's and I think been a weird year. It, I just think it has to do with the fact that there aren't a lot of established veteran NHL coaches on the open market, which is maybe why a guy like Jeff Blashill and John Cooper are still around. Yeah. Because I think if there was someone, to be honest, if, if I think if Bruce Boudreaux was fired over the summer, I feel like Tampa would probably consider bringing in Bruce Boudreaux. I think he'd be a good coach for Tampa. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps. I'd, perhaps. <sighs> oh, is that your hot take? <sighs> That's your hot take, eh? All right. Flaming hot take. All right. Um, all right, let's move on here. Let's talk about uh, – so we kind of were having this conversation yesterday how there's a couple of dark horse candidates for a couple of these awards out here. Um, so I just kind of want to chat about them. I, I think I, I've got kind of four major awards that we can chat about and kind of a name that we can both throw our, a hat into the race that may not be off the top of your head. But um, – so some dark horse award candidates. I've got the Vesna, the Jack Adams, the Calder, and the Hart Trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with the Vesna. Uh, first, f- we kind of are debating on this one last night, so we can yeah. bring this debate back onto the podcast. So for me, uh, a dark horse candidate, which apparently is an, a legitimate candidate to you, but yeah, Freddie Anderson to me is a dark horse Vesna candidate. Um, you know, if you just look at the stats alone, he doesn't look like a goaltender who no, you he, would vote for for the is. candidacy to be a Vezda nominee. Like, a 921 save percentage, that's all right. But a 248 goals against, um, yeah. I, you know, he's not winning. He doesn't have as much wins as the rest of the guys. Um, you know, like, I, I look on my ballot personally, I'd probably have Darcy Kemper, Ben Bishop, and Connor Howellbuck as my actual ballot. Maybe even Tuka Rask could kick one of those guys off. But then that leaves Fe- Freddie as my fifth guy and that's why i see him as a dark horse and not a legitimate top three for me freddie anderson's number three right now like I, for me it's 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 rask kemper 
and Anderson. I don't think Anderson gets enough credit for what he does in Toronto. And I think he gets a lot of credit, by the way, but I don't think he gets enough credit. I think there's a reason that the Maple Leafs keep destroying, keep running their backup goalie out into a fire. They keep throwing him off a bridge there. It's because Fred Anderson's really, really good. Well, yeah, like, of course. It, it, the only reason that's not an issue with Freddie Anderson is because he's really good. Like, that's on Anderson. It's more of an Anderson thing than a, than a Leafs backup goalie problem. The way I see it, that's how I feel. So I think he's number three. Like, he has, the tough, he has some of the toughest competition in the league. My dark horse is Jordan Bennington. Like, I, I, I wouldn't fully sleep on Bennington as a Vesna, as a Vesna candidate. Like he's up there for me. Like St. Louis is one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, he's he's been a really good. He was only he's only been pulled once his entire career. This last Saturday against the Leafs, but like he's good, man. He's been really really good. He hasn't even been in the NHL for a full year, and he's already a best candidate. Yeah, I know. Or a dark horse. Um, I just. I don't think you're giving enough love to Connor Hellebuck and what he's doing. Yeah, maybe in, I'm not. Maybe I haven't paid enough attention to to, Con, to Connor Hellebuck. Like, he might be. He, I don't think I have paid enough attention to him to be honest. He's fifteen seven and two. He's got a nine thirty three save percentage and a two twenty four goals against. That blows everything that Anderson has out of the water. And look at the team that he's playing say, in also, front of. Man, his defense is much worse than the Leafs. Look at the t- he's playing. The Leafs a- are t- have terrible defense, but Winnipeg's is way worse. They lost their entire right side. Like they they've <laughs> just had to kind of you know stick in mud, put things together. Like it, Tucker Pullman, who exactly is playing like 19 minutes a night on that defense. Yeah. Neil Pionk is their top right-hand defenseman playing 22 minutes a night. All right, you talked me into in the hella book in my top three. He's having a... I'll take, I'll take Rask heck of a year. Maybe I'll take Anderson out. <laughs> maybe I should take Anderson out. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Maybe I'm just a homer. Maybe I'm just a diehard oh, Leafs fan. We all know you're a homer. I'm not a homer. You are basically Homer Simpson. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on to the next award, which kind of actually rolls into a Jack Adams. Man, like Paul Maurice, you talk about how incredible yeah, it is that Connor Hellebuck. Like, look at this team. Look how much at how much they lost and the fact that they are, what are they right now? They're sitting, I'm pretty sure they're in a divisional in the spot. I, I think they're second in the central. The third. Third, third in the central uh, with 40 points which is three points out of top in the West. The three points out of the top spot in the West. Like, this is a team who iPads coming into the year, they weren't even going to make the playoffs. And, I mean, it's a long, long season. They still might not. I think technically they're actually only one point ahead of Dallas for for a, a divisional spot. But regardless, there's six points. Yeah, six points in a playoff spot. Uh, behind Vancouver or ahead of Vancouver yep. but like I just this isn't a team that I thought was going to do anything yeah like well that that's kind of where where my dark horse comes in I I, I think Alan Vino and Philly probably has yeah, to have for some sure love where I I didn't I didn't peg Philly as a as a lock playoff team let alone a divisional like they're in like they're second in the they're second in the metro or something aren't they? Yeah, no, they're like, they're, they're doing they really must, well. They must be third. third. They must be third because the Islanders yeah. and Washington are both in the metro. Yeah, they're but third. like they're they're basic they're well in third though. Like they're they're right there. I think Philly is a team that has really impressed me so far, and I think Vigneault's coaching has done really well up there. Um, I want to say Rod Brindamore would be in the conversation, but I don't think Carolina's really good enough. 
I think they're like if they were a little, if they had a few more wins, then maybe we could talk about Rod Brindamore, more. But I don't think he's right there just yet. The thing with the Jack, I do Adams, like him a lot though. But the <coughs> sorry, the thing with the Jack Adams is it often goes to a coach that exceeds expectations. Yeah, it's, right? it's it always comes to the story. It exactly. always comes down to and the I think, narrative a coach brings. And I think that Rod Brindamore, a great coach, and he's got his team playing really well. But that's expected because they got a really good team. And they had a really good team last year. So I think they're meeting expectations as opposed to exceeding them. And for that, I don't know if you could put him in the Jack Adams category. Dave Tippett out in Edmonton, however, that's somebody who you might be able to put in there. If they win win the division, like... I don't know. That's a bit of a stretch. That seems more of on the backs of McDavid and Dreisaitl than coaching. It's a dark horse, though. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I I, I think that's a stretch. I don't think he's even remotely in the conversation. Yeah. Like, I I would put Sheldon Keefe ahead of him. No, come on. If I had a ballot, I'd put Keefe ahead of Dave Tippett. Hey, what about Jeff Ward? (laughs) Why not? Not not obviously yet, but, like, if he kind of pulls... He could. He started early enough. Like, he started early enough. If he pulls a Craig Berube and gets this team going, and they win the division and have a really, really good season, like, they're... You'd have to. You'd have to consider it, right? They can still, still win the West, I think. They are, what, five points... Five points out of first place in the West. Like if this team, if he can bring that team, they're currently on what a six-game losing, six-game winning streak. Yeah, it's a six. Game. Yeah, so six straight, and they're 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 rolling. They play Toronto tonight. Um, if they can somehow win this Western Conference title for the second year in a row, but after a coaching firing, after they were so guard goddamn horrible, <laughs> they were awful. He could be a dark horse consideration. Yeah, for no, coach you'd, of the year. You'd, you'd absolutely have to consider it. Yeah, and honestly, if if that does happen, I think he wins. Like to be honest, if that does happen, yeah. I think he wins. Like there, I don't think there's any any real disputing that. I guess who else? Who else is like a lock nomination nominee for the Jack Adams? Bruce Cassidy, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, Barry Trotz again. Barry Trotz, probably. Yeah. Um. Maybe someone in the West. I mean, Paul Maurice could be. Jared, Jared Bednar. Bednar is probably there. Yeah, but again, it, it always ends up going to the the it guy goes, who over the man. It goes right? to the story guy. So I don't know if if any of these top end coaches are gonna end. They don't up really with have it, a story. So. so like, if any any coach comes out of nowhere now and just goes on a heater, <laughs> they're pretty much guaranteed the Jack Adams. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Calder, this one might be locked up already uh, by Kale McCarr. But are there a couple other guys who you think could contend, or who are the other guys who you place on the ballot? Um, I guess. Honestly. Well, the thing is, though, could, McCart's hurt right now too. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure how much time he's expected to miss, but you know, I think a guy like Quinn Hughes for uh, me. Quinn, Quinn Hughes is the only one for me that's even cl- like close to Kale McCar. Yeah. Like, because I think this year's rookie class, like of the last year's draft. Like the Hugheses and the like, the Jack Hughes and the Capocacos, they're fine, but they're not anything. They haven't been anything special in their rookie years, and I think maybe one of those guys maybe gets the third nomination because there isn't many rookies this year. No, like there's not many like quality quality rookies besides Makar and Quinn Hughes. There's like there's not any like face of the franchise type players out there, which is kind of interesting which we haven't really seen in a while i don't think of the nhl like there's usually that that guy where you're like 
watch this kid next year. You know what I mean? And I mean, people were trying to make Jack Hughes into that, but I don't think he is. I think I think this year was kind of a lot of people were excited to see the defensemen. So I think McCarr, yeah. Hughes, uh, Adam Fox out in New York was somebody oh, who Adam everyone Fox wanted to watch. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I do like him. I like him a lot. He's, yeah, he he's a really good quarterback on the power play. Yeah, exactly. So you know, there's a lot of teams out here um, with some decent rookies. Another guy actually who's well, he's tied with McCarr for scoring uh, for rookies, who you didn't mention, but Victor Olofsson out in Buffalo. Yeah, Olofsson's probably up there? there for me. I think I think I'd consider Olofsson. He'd probably be in the maybe in the third spot if you don't want to only nominate defensemen, which I don't think the NHL is very fond of doing. I think that's the top three right now. Yeah, McCarr, Hughes, Hughes, Olofsson. Yeah. If maybe Fox or maybe Nikash goes on a heater. Uh, I think they could be in consideration. They play really well. Chance. I think Cackle and Hughes have a chance if they if they if they fix if they if they start playing in better roles. I think it's just kind of it's it's a, a runaway here. Like Olsen, he's got twelve goals, twenty eight points. Makar, he's got twenty eight points. Quinn Hughes, he's got twenty four points. You know the next closest guys, Mikheyev at seventeen. Uh, and it's, you know, he's got just four goals. Uh, a lot of them came early on in the year, too, so he's kind of slowed down a bit. And then Nikash had 16, so it kind of, it's a big drop-off from those top three. Like, I don't know if there's really even a dark horse that might come out of the blue. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really see anybody out of the blue coming out. That being be said, last year, we had a nominee for Rookie of the Year. In January. He started, he, he joined the NHL in January, <laughs> Exactly, bro. Jordan Biddington, so... <laughs> You know, who knows? Maybe we'll get a Bennington-esque player who comes in late in the year and uh, goes on a heater. But as of now, I think that's that's pretty much it. Mikhail McCarr basically has it locked up. If he can keep it going this year, definitely. Um, other than him, I think Hughes and Olsen are really the only two uh, other people on the ballot there. I think there. Hughes is very clearly the second the second one. Yeah, and I think like, he I can, think it's very clear that Hughes is number two. He can easily compete. You know, I think he could easily compete for that rookie of the year spot, and that'd be back to back years that the Canucks claim rookie of the year wow. called the trophy. Wow. All right, last but not least, the MVP, the Hart Trophy Dark Horse nominee. Who do you got? Curious. Hmm. Dark Horse nominee for the Hart. Um, so that means not McDavid, Dreisaitl, or McKinnon, basically, right? Yes. It's any other MVP. Pasternak? I don't know if that counts as a dark horse. Like, he kind of has just been there all year anyways. But I think it's, like, at this point it's a lock McDavid, Dreisaitl, or McKinnon. So maybe he's the fourth guy. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll reach a little further and... and further into the pile and come up with a different idea let's say for me i'll let you sit on that okay. and you kind of think about it a little bit for me because you, you say it's a lock for those three i don't know if it's so much as a lock because i don't know if you can put mcdavid and dry on the ballot <laughs> to be honest two players from one team that that's i'd be curious i'm gonna go go ahead and look see if that's happened before it last has. time it happened it has um i think the last one was like mario and Yager or something. Right, so that's like back in the 90s, years ago, which, I mean, I guess it could happen, but, you know, someone who also deserves a lot of consideration, um, Jack Eichel. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Jack Eichel is having a fantastic year. Uh, The season that he's having basically carrying this team on his back. 
Uh, just trying to look it up here. Yeah, Jack Eichel, he's got 44 points so far this season. So he's a little bit off of, of you know, McDavid and, and Dreisaitl up at 55-54. But he's right there in the, in the mix. Um, and the thing that I find most interesting about Eichel, too, that, uh, about the, that's different from the other players, is if you look at him, everybody else's, a lot of their points are coming on the power play. He only has 13 of his 44 points on the power play. So like he's scoring a lot at 5-on-5, five five, and he is willing his team right now into a playoff position. Like There's nobody else on that team scoring. Nobody. Yeah. So you look at MVP. This is, this is a Taylor Hall-esque MVP Dark Horse candidate. That's a good dark horse. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's, yeah. a, that's a really good choice. I could see a world where he gets a he gets a nomination. I don't think he's ahead of. I don't think he's ahead of McDavid, Drysdale, or McKinnon. At least not for me. It's for me the early early season winners, McKinnon. Like if I'm choosing anybody of any of the three that I've listed, I'm yeah. I'm gonna vote McKinnon because I think he's been incredible this year. Which you know I agree with you. Uh, I think that he is probably my number one guy. But how do you leave off one of McDavid or Dreisaitl? Well, that's why they're my number two and number three. Because I, I don't know how you I, I don't know how you choose one. But I could even see I honestly I could see like four different guys winning it because I could see McDavid winning it. I could see Dreisaitl winning it. I could see McKinnon winning it, and I can even see Jack Eichel winning it. Like right now, if they gave it away, I could see and they Pasternak gave it, winning it too. If Pasternak puts up sixty, how do you how do you take him off that? <laughs> I don't think he'll put up sixty. He's really slowed down. He's got scored last night. Twenty six and thirty two now. I think he slowed down a little bit in terms of goal scoring. Um, Jack Eichel, he's got twenty goals. He could chase Pasternak. So does Matthews. Yeah, I know. So he <laughs> Actually, might, no, I think Matthews is nineteen. He might not even reach. Uh, he might not even get the Richard when all said and done. Might not happen. Screw. All right, uh, that was fun. I think. Yeah, that was a good. Honestly, I, I could see Eichel winning the MVP this no, year. No, I could. Buffalo, I, you you could sell like in a Taylor Hall esque way. Like yeah. I like I could totally see that happen. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's play some cosine no sign. Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, this segment is brought to you by BTB Mortgage Solutions. The men out know hockey, but they know mortgages. Visit them online at beatthebankmortgage.ca. Free consultation, no obligation mortgage advice from homeowners themselves. So, how the game works? I'm going to make a statement. If you agree, you cosign. If you disagree, you will no sign. You got it? Sure thing, sir. All right, let's play. Uh, you can go first. Sure. Uh, my first one here is, uh, after two of their best wins of the season, the Maple Leafs are poised to go on a huge run here in December. What do you mean by huge? Like, like they play, what, 13 games this month? They win, like, 10. No, 11. Let's say 11. No, son. I don't think they win 11. I think they do. I think they're going, I think they're going on fire right now. Well, they've already lost three of them, didn't they? No. Two of them? Just one. Thing. No, they lost against Buffalo, then they lost against okay. Philly, the then they lost... The rem- yeah, they've already lost three, so no sign. Like, just, okay, okay. <laughs> that was a bad example. Like, for the rest of the month, I think they maybe lose one or two more games. Let's say um, that. Um... Uh, co-sign? Yeah, uh, co-sign it, just because yeah, you get the Christmas break in there, so there's not a lot of games. Uh, so I can see them two. Let's say two. I think that they can limit themselves to two losses for the rest of 2019. I'll co-sign it. I think they're playing really well right now. Freddie Anderson, he's a dark horse MVP candidate. Yeah. Like honestly, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I, I, 
I don't know how I'll you be, couldn't. I'll be honest with you. I think he stands. I think he's more appropriately in the MVP, MVP than the race Vesna. than the Vesna. I get, I see where you're coming from. He by far their most valuable player. By like far. by far. You take him out of that lineup, you know what we get. <laughs> Not one good. When Freddie's out of the lineup for the seven games that he's been out of the lineup, one loser point. One out of a possible fourteen points. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Not good. at all. So <laughs> like. No, yeah, I, t- I could see that. If there was a goalie in the conversation for Vesna, yeah. I don't or for the heart. I don't think that he is necessarily. But if there was a goalie, he's probably the, he's the guy. But also that game against Vancouver, you know, I thought that Tavares had a really good game. Yeah, uh, it sounds like he's he might finally be healthy after that broken finger. Matthews had and, a really good game you know, too. He's skating better. Matthews, he's had a couple of good games in a row now. That was actually the first game I've seen Matthews and Tavares play together in it a while, was. where they're both yeah. where they're both going. It was, and that's I think that's been a big reason for why yeah. the team has. Been been able to win i mean they just i think last year like that that line of marner Tavares, and hyman never went through a slump no they were kind of just clicking the whole season and when you had that and then matthews was also you know you don't matthews know, you goes through his, his peaks and values you didn't notice them as much though right but That's you don't notice thing. them because the team was winning and the team was scoring but right now you look and and they haven't been. But when you see them in a game where they do score and they keep uh, you know the puck in the offensive zone a lot, like they did uh, against Vancouver, and they kind of did a lot of good things with it. They even got on the line together, which I loved. Turned into a goal. Yep. Um, I think that team, if they're both those lines are clicking, they're going to win a lot of hockey games. And it seems like they're both playing really well right now. So uh, I'll I'll co-sign. I'll co-sign that they are limited to just two losses for the rest of 2019. Cool. All right, number one, uh, Jack Hughes has been a disappointment so far this season. Four goals, eight assists for 12 points. <laughs> I'm going to say no sign, but not because I don't think he's been bad. <laughs> I'm going to say he didn't disappoint me because that's what I expected. Yeah, you had low expectations <laughs> on Jack Hughes. I don't know why, but you thought he was not a bust, but you did not see him as this top number one uh, line prospect that everybody else saw in him. Yeah, there's just something about it, man. Like, he's, he's I think he's going to be a decent number two option. I don't think he's ever going to be a number one center in the NHL. He's a little too small. He's not, he's not, like, he's got some skill. Like, I got to be honest, like, he's got some skill, but he doesn't have, like, next level small player skill, like the Marty St. Louis or the Johnny Goudreau's. Like, yeah. he doesn't have that kind of hand work or even, like, Patrick Kane. Like, he's not like that. He's just—he's a little more like he reminds me a little bit of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, like okay. that. Like I think he's a little bit better than Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but I think he's in that kind of stratosphere of player where like that's what I expected. All right, uh, second one for you. Uh, my second one is the Vancouver Canucks will not fade this year, and they will make the playoffs. Cosine, cosine, cosine. <laughs> They're a really good team. They are good. They got robbed of a win in uh, against Toronto. Freddie Anderson played lights out out of his mind. Uh, but I thought that the Canucks were the all-around better team. I think that they've been the all-around better team in a lot of games that they played. Um, the goaltending hasn't been... Great. It hasn't been great. It hasn't been bad, yeah. but it hasn't been great. You know, they haven't... The goaltending hasn't stolen a lot of games for them. They've kept them in some games, and they've kept them in enough games to win but you're seeing a lot of 
you know, five, three, six, four, eight, six hockey games. Uh, so, so I don't think I'm going to go ahead and coast. No, that they will make the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to co-sign it. I think they get their their act together, uh, and they kind of keep it rolling. I like the team a lot. Yeah, I, I think, think they're I think they're really good, man. Like I, Besser and Patterson are really freaking fun to dude, watch. JT Miller has been. JT Miller's been incredible. And, and like people were mocking that trade, and I. It's not that I mocked the trade. I liked the addition. Don't like giving up a first rounder. I didn't mind giving up the first rounder. Like I think he was worth the first rounder, but it was the situation where you know he was kind of a cap dump, and you gave up you know fair value or top market value for a cap dump, which is like ah, they had to kind of move on from him. You probably could have bargained a little bit instead of giving up fair value, but whatever. He's he's been good. It's fine. I like if if this is the the JT Miller that we get, more than happy. More than happy to give that up. Uh, But yeah, no, the team's playing really well. Horvat really good. Uh, Quinn Hughes having an unreal rookie season. I like the team's future. I like yeah, the way they're, they're they're built. Like they're per, like I don't want to say perfect, but they're pretty it's, good it's at a everything. Really good blend of size, skill, yeah. and speed. Really no, good. No, I blend. agree. They have a good they have a good mix out there. They yeah. have a really good mix. All right, uh, number two for you. We will see Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby play together one day for Team Canada. Um, that's a tricky one because I I see a scenario. Like, in my heart, I would love to see it. But Sid's getting old. What's Sid, 32 now or something? Sid's getting old. The Olympics are... When's the next Winter Olympics, 2022? Yeah, which they're not going to. Which they're not going to. That said... That's an, that minimum another eight years before they can play with each other at the Olympics. Um, but... Well, they could go to the World Championships, technically, if both... Edmonton and Pittsburgh miss out, and they want to <laughs> I, go. I don't see that. Technically. But also, uh, Gary Bettman did come out of the Board of Governors meetings this week saying that the World Cup of 2021 is dead. That's not happening. Yep. However, they are looking into setting up a tournament for 2024 where Sidney Crosby would be 36 and conceivably could still be a pretty effective player at 36 years old, even if he's just like a fourth-line centerman. Um could you see that? Like that's that's pretty much that's what you're banking on if you're gonna yeah, co-sign this. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna no sign. All right. I don't. I don't like the chances of that. I. I think something could happen in that time frame. I just. I. I think it's weird. The NHL's very adamant that their players aren't going to the Olympics. I think it's really, really weird. I don't find it weird. Like I think I, it's unfair. I, I think it's un- weird and unfair. I understand it from a business perspective, and the NHL is a business. But that being said, as a fan, I don't like it at all. I want to see a best-on-best tournament, and we're kind of robbed of that due to you know, business and the fact that they, they don't want to pay for their players to go overseas. They don't want to pay uh, out-of-pocket for their insurance. They don't want to risk losing these guys. They don't want to... Um, you know, miss a chunk of their season. And, you know, there's there's a lot of things think, that go into this. At the end of the day, I think it should come down to the player's decision, man. Like, that doesn't seem like it's a... Like, you would think. At the end of the day, it's their career. It's them. They're the players. Like, I think they have the right to decide if they want to play or not. Yeah, Like, but at the tough. end of the day, I think that's what it should come down to. It's, I know it's not, it's and it's tough. never going to be that way, but I think it should. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if it ever happens again. I mean, I... Mean, I 
I think it would happen, but we'll see. All right, uh, third one for you. All right, my last one here is yep. at least one of the coaches fired this year for hockey reasons, not for other reasons, okay. or that will be fired in the future. Uh, we'll be in a season. We'll be a coach again by the time next season starts. Oh, cosign. Hundred percent cosign. That's an easy one. Easy one. Well, I think Peter DeBoer has a pretty good shot of of landing somewhere next year. Yeah. I think if John Cooper gets fired, because you said in the future, like yeah, it, it could be any a, a coach in the near future too. I, I think John Cooper uh, is a guy who could end up somewhere. I mean, maybe Mike Babcock ends up somewhere. I mean, now that a few more serious, serious allegations have come out about coaching abuse, I think that Babcock's, uh, I think, a little bit minor at this point. You're like, yeah, we could probably deal with that considering some stuff that's come (laughs) out recently. Um, So, maybe he finds his way back into the NHL next season. Um, Yeah, I'll co-sign it. I think it's pretty good odds. Pretty good odds. Alright, last one for you from me. All four Western Canadian teams will make the playoffs. So that's Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver. All but Vancouver currently in a playoff spot. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Do I think it's possible? Yeah. Do I think that one of them falls out? Probably. Do I know who falls out? No. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna no sign because I'm gonna stick to my gut here and say that I think one of them falls out. I don't know who. I don't know who fades, but I think Edmonton's one injury to McDavid or Drysaddle away from yes from a plane crash. I think Calgary's kind of on the rise, but they're not. I could see them falling out and coming back down to earth after their coach is gone. You want to know one of the weirdest stats about Calgary since the coaching change? What? Prior to Jeff Ward being named head coach, the depth and the combination of Derek Ryan, Milan Lucic, Dylan Dubé, and Zach Ronaldo, prior to Jeff Ward being head coach, so it was about 25 games. Zero goals. 16 points. In the six games since he's been named head coach, same amount of points? Something similar? 19 points. More points. More okay. points in the last six games than the previous, like, 25. That's Milan weird. Lucic, three goals in the last four games. All three of those goals this season coming under um, Jeff Ward. I could see Winnipeg falling out. I could see a world where they kind of come... They could. I could see that. They could. Honestly, for some reason, the... <laughs> the biggest locker me is the only team not in a playoff spot right now. Vancouver? Yeah. That's funny. I think I think Vancouver has the best shot. I think they have the best team out of all of them. Like, all around. Like, I think they probably have the better team than most of them. Than That's the funny. other Western Canadian teams. So. Yeah, they played well, and they're kind of built for playoff hockey, yeah, too. I, like, I'm going to no-sign, but it's a very close no-sign. All right. It's a very, I'm very on the fence, but I'm going to lean towards no-sign because I don't know. 
All right, all right. Uh, that will bring a conclusion to the Cosine No Sign segment brought to you by BTB Mortgage Solutions. All right, real quick, we got about five minutes here. Let's do our fantasy stock watch. Give me your fantasy stock ups for this week. Yeah, my first guy that's up is uh, Valerian Nachushkin in uh, in Colorado. Oh. I think he, he's had a he's had a really good couple of weeks here. He scored some some pretty nice goals. He scored that game winner against the Leafs. He scored basically an identical game winner than a couple games later. Um, so he's eight percent owned. Uh, he's got four goals in his last six games. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of assists. So if you're looking for somebody who provides a couple of goals here and there, like maybe you got a guy on the IR for a couple days or something, it's a good quick fill-in guy for you. Uh, my other guy here is for some reason I don't I still don't understand how this is the case, but Josh Bailey is only sixteen percent owned. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Josh Bailey is a really good player. Um, for me, I picked him up uh, to replace my. Injured Travis Konechny, my second leading scorer, so I needed somebody who could actually provide offense. Josh Bailey does that. He's a really good top six winger. Uh, He's got 21 points in 27 games, and like I said, only 16% owned still. Uh, Yeah, a couple of good options there. I got a couple more for you. I think Anthony Duclair uh, has really heated up in... Uh, Ottawa, he's on pace to have a career year. He's got five goals, seven points in his last five games. Shoots a heck of a lot. He's playing upwards of uh, 18 minutes a game, playing on kind of that top line for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, and he's left wing and right wing eligible, which is which is always nice to have, yep. especially if it's a guy who you kind of want to get to plug in and fill in a couple of spots. Another guy I have is Alex Kalorn. I think Kalorn is a player who uh, he's currently now on a line with Steven Stamco, so he's getting a lot of time. He's getting about 18 minutes of ice time. Uh, he's got seven points his last four games. He's worked his way onto, uh, some, onto the second power play where he's being effective there this season. So he's a player who, uh, who if you're looking for another guy, again, dual eligible left wing and right wing position. If you need a scorer, someone to get you some points uh, with some injuries starting to pile up around the league, Kalorn, somebody who you can look at. He's only 33% owned. Um, and then on the opposite end, we got some stock downs, yeah. some players who are kind of trending in the wrong direction. Uh, and I'll start here. Number one for me, Carter Hutton. Uh, he is officially 100% droppable. He's no longer the number one at Buffalo. Uh, that job has been taken by Linus Olmark. Whether or not that'll work out for the rest of the season, we'll see. They've kind of been a 1A, 1B the whole year, but he has just three starts in the last 12 games. So Olmark's really taking the bulk of that load, uh, and, and Hutton's just been terrible. Like, all season long, he's he's been awful. He can't make a save to save his life, uh, pun intended. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think Carter Hutton's a guy you could definitely move on from. Uh, in any league format. Eric Gustafson, uh, depending on how deep your league is, if you're in maybe an 8 or 10 team league, you could definitely move on from him. If you're in a 12, 14, or 16 team, you might want to hang on to him. But he's goalless in 10 straight. He's got just three points over that time. Uh, and, you know, he was a player who had a really, really good year last year. Had what, like yeah. 56 points or something like that, yeah. like over 50 points. And I think he was drafted quite high in a lot of leagues, hoping that he could replicate that. Hasn't been able to do it, uh, which I kind of expected a regression to come. I didn't think he was that good anyways. Uh, and, yeah, like I said, goals in his last 10. Uh, he's really regressed this season. So he's somebody, if you're in a bit of a shallow league, um, you know, 8 or 10-man league, maybe some 12-team leagues, you can probably move on from Gustafson. Yep. Uh, for me, my number one here is uh, Connor Garland out in Arizona. 
Like, he had a he had a pretty quick start to the year. Score, he's, he had a very fast 10 goals on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, last two weeks, he only has three points, including two goals. Uh, he's kind of trended down. He's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Um, unless you expect Arizona to start magically scoring goals again, I do not. <laughs> um, I, I'd probably it's probably time to part with your Connor Garland if you if you have your heart set on Connor Garland. Uh, and then my other guy here is Robbie Fabry. Again, not a lot of people. I don't I don't see a lot of people having him. But if you were one of those guys that were like, I could see Fabry getting an opportunity in Detroit. He'll get some good minutes. And you know what? He does get good minutes. He started producing in Detroit, but they're awful. He's bad. They're a bad team. Get rid of him before yeah. you. He's a minus seventeen on the season. Gross. And he only started playing when he was in Detroit. Gross. 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 <laughs> gross. Gross. So. Gross. Um. Yeah. No. Detroit's god awful. Uh, they're they've almost allowed just as many goals this season as the Islanders allowed all of last like, year. Terrible. Have you seen their Have you seen their differ, their goal differential? Yeah. It's like 60, it's like minus sixty two. Yeah. It's, they have sixty two more yeah. goals against than goals for. Yeah, and they still Dude. have like fifty games to play. <laughs> Like it's oh my god they're gonna be they're gonna be at least in triple like hundred percent triple digits like that's man not good it's not, not good. good not good not good uh, all right uh, if you have any final thoughts now would be your time to share them I'm glad hockey's starting to happen again yeah I'm glad I'm I, I'm glad things are starting to settle up settle settle down a little bit here in the NHL I mean I, I get don't, I don't know if it is though I don't know I I was just about to say the there was more Akima Lou stuff yeah. yesterday was even worse yeah honestly. i guess somebody came dressed uh, in the ahl i think it was a, a trainer actually yeah came dressed to a t uh, a halloween party team halloween party dressed as a key which means he came in as blackface and you can't do that yeah you can't yeah you, you can't do that so that was that was uh that was the latest well, in in the alley you alley- i don't even understand the logic behind that yeah kind of like, dumb like what kind of dumb like i even if it was 10 year 10 15 years ago everybody knows you can't do that yeah kind of <laughs> what are you doing kind of dumb like kinda what dumb. are you doing uh the last thing that i kind of just want to quickly touch on is uh, the world junior championships are upcoming uh they had an exhibition game yesterday uh, against the u sports team all-star team they won 5-3 they're having another game today uh at uh, well and by the time you listen to this it might be underway or be finished and the team's expecting to make cuts uh, as soon as tonight after the game yeah uh but what i think is going to be a lot of fun is the fact that if you're a draft guy such as me such as you uh, there are an abundance of draft-eligible players that could make this team. A couple of players uh, that I'll note, Alexis Lafreniere out of the QMJHL, potential number one overall pick. Quinn Same Byfield. with Quentin Byfield. Likely but- number two. Likely number two could also end up supplanting Lafreniere for number one. You know, it's it's that center-winger debate that their teams are going to have. Cole Perfetti, another young player who uh, I think is going to be a top 10 pick this year, and Jamie Drysdale, uh, an elite, elite uh, puck moving right hand shot defenseman, uh, currently playing for the Erie Otters. I think that he has a really good chance also of making this team. So, a lot of really good draft eligible players that yeah, could make this team. It's, this kind, year. Of, it's kind of a different look for, for Team Canada's the a little World bit. Juniors, actually. Like, for the most, from as long as I can remember, they always have those overage players that have been drafted already. Like the Jonathan Taves is of yeah, the world, like the a lot of D plus ones, a lot of D plus ones. But this year they're kind of going for I don't know if they're going for it, but they're kind of 
they're they're the guys they have in the lineup here are a little more they're a little younger. Well, this year's supposed to be a really really strong draft class, and yeah. I think that that is being shown here as you have four. Uh, potential top 10, I think likely top 10 players in this draft that are in a really strong draft that are going to potentially make this team. They have a yeah. really good chance to well, do it. So. It just goes to show, like, it just it kind of shows that this year's draft class is just very clearly better than last year's, yeah. right? Yeah. Where, like, the overage players that have been drafted aren't going to go because these younger guys are better. For sure, for sure. <laughs> you know? For sure, but uh, yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, definitely keep your eye out to see who the cuts are, and, and I believe they'll be naming the team, if not today, then maybe uh, as soon as tomorrow. Yep. So we'll see if those kids can make it. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the podcast on all podcasting platforms. Just search Mickey Mike Show and hit subscribe. You can follow the show on Twitter at Mickey underscore Mike underscore show. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Brandon Cameron. B underscore Cameron, 222. There it is. That's going to do it for us today. Brandon, appreciate you coming in. No worries, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Mickey Mike Show.